please welcome to the podcast comedian Brandon Ash Muhammad. Hey, Brandon. What's up? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am you're doing good. well. You said you're well. Good. Let's let's yeah. do that again. <laughs> yeah. How are you? Well, you're well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And now? And now? Congrats on uh, the new album that's about to be released in a few days. In a few days, it's on pre-sale right now. We've yeah. already raised about twenty-six hundred dollars for um, the charities that I'm going to be donating all of my first month of profits to. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm nice. Happy. Well, let's let's talk about the album. Let's talk about your decision to uh, to donate money to the charities. Uh, First, tell, tell me about the album. When was it made? How long has this been in, in production? How long have you been thinking about releasing one? So I had always, I had always, uh, I think it was last, or maybe it was the summer of, no, it was the summer, it was the winter of 2018. Um, I was just like, oh, they asked me this. I was, oh, I'm speaking in weird circles now, but now I was one of Now Magazine's, um, breakout stage artists of 2018 and they're like what are your plans for 2019 and I was just like I don't know maybe I'm gonna do an album and I didn't really like think about it and then my friend um, Meg McKay she approached me to do an album recording with her because we have had all of our big firsts together so we were on our first we were on our first tv show together we were on our first like um television set together so she was like why don't you write uh why don't we like do a double recording and you record yours, I record mine. And I was like, that's great. You guys can also download her album, Probably a Witch. It's on all of the platforms, also with Helen Roar. Um, and that was how I decided to do that album. So I recorded the album in November. And that was really crazy because my dog died like right before oh, no. I was I was perform I was going to perform. So I had to like deal with that and then like I was literally leaving to go to the album taping and it all happened. So this but, past November. It was this past November. And then I was thinking of maybe releasing it during Black History Month. And then the timing wasn't right. And then I was like, you know, maybe I'll just release it like in June or something. And then I've been like, that's how that happened. Yeah. Wow. Um, And your decision, wait, let me, is this all brand new material? Is it stuff you've, you've had out there in the world for a while? This is material that I've been like honing and working on for, I would say like maybe the past three years at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Cool. Your decision, I I guess let's start. Well, yeah, fuck. Your decision to um, donate to charity. Talk about the thought process behind that. Well, okay. So I have been the only gay black man doing stand-up in Canada for a very long time. And I know what it's like to be, have navigated this and deal with all this stuff. So I was just like, in this time and everything that's happening right now, I need to use my art for something that isn't just like gonna benefit me. So I was just like, that's why I was like, I need to donate to these organizations because I feel like I gotta do something with my art other than just like say stuff. Yeah. So I'm like, if I can give an opportunity and provide something for the community and my community, then, then that's what I want. So I would rather these people have something and 
have resources to do stuff, especially this time. For sure. Let, let's let's backtrack a bit. Um, obviously, you know the the number of interviews that I've been doing, podcast stuff with with you know people in entertainment and such. You know, for the past three months, I've been asking, you know, how how have you been dealing with COVID nineteen and stuff? But now, past two three weeks mm-hmm. uh, since the uh, the demonstrations, uh, since the killing of George Floyd, um, I just want to ask you personally, how how have you been? yourself um i wasn't i was trying to like stay like not deal with it for a little bit and i was trying to like avoid it and then it just like things started happening i started seeing things from other people and it really started to irk me so what i had been doing what was irking you just like watching people that i know are racist and say racist thing and have said racist things to me like all of a sudden be like oh black lives matter blah 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 blah. like this performative allyship but then also just seeing how people were being treated and i was just like whoa especially how the canadian media the canadian media was treating um american racism as opposed to its own because canada Mm. constantly sweeps its racism over under the rug under the rug and I had been at this point sharing, I shared a story from like, um, like my heritage. So part of my family is yeah. historic black Canadian. So these are people that have been here for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Oh, wow. Like just as long as the, um, the settlers, the original settlers or whatever they're called. And um, I shared a story about how my family is from the East Coast, part of my family is from the East Coast. And um, I shared to share about Africa. Do you know about Africville? I've heard of it from years. I've read your Facebook post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I wrote a yeah. Facebook post about it, and it's got like I think on all of the platforms it got like twenty thousand shares or something like wow. that. So it made me realize that that I was like, okay, like people don't know this stuff. People need to be educated with this stuff. So I've been trying to share like uh, more posts about that stuff and just like write these things and share my knowledge, and that has been very therapeutic for me. For you, yeah. Uh-huh. You said at the beginning you didn't want to, I guess, say anything or whatever. It was. I like- just didn't want to like deal. It's just like so much of the news when you're just like a gay black person. It's just so depressing. You don't want to like, like, look at it. You don't want to hear it because it's just like you're already dealing with so much that you need to like sometimes just like shut everything off so you can just like be a functional human being. Yeah. But sometimes you gotta like face these things and actually like deal with it find your platform yeah yeah so you you you've sort of taken the the road of let me just tell stories let me let me yeah sort let of me, teach people yeah yeah and, and how has that been for you importantly i think it's been really good a lot of people have been very responsive to it someone is helping me kind of um builds uh a like web page for it Oh, wow. I can like post these things and I'm thinking of maybe trying to turn it into some sort of like video series. So, cause like, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like this that has been done in Canada. Like we don't have, like you see in America, they have like all of these documentaries, all of these TV shows, all of this media that is about slavery and segregation and all this stuff in Canada. We don't have that. Yeah. Is that because we sort of have, we, when I say we, I, I mean like all of us, right? Collectively. Um, is it because we sort of gravitated and grabbed hold of this, uh, the stories around the Underground Railway? Yes, 100%. Said, this, yeah. this is who we are. Let's forget yeah. about Yeah. Well, I think else. that 
the how Canada escapes from it is a lot of the, the excuse, the excuse that I hear when I'm like, Canada has slavery, where they're like, well, actually, um, slavery ended 33 years before Canada was officially a country. So therefore, Canada didn't have slavery. But I'm like, we all know that that technically is not true, because I'm just like, the foundation in which this country was built on was built on the wealth of the transatlantic slave trade. So Canada did have slavery whether you mm. like it or not. And I feel like Canada tries to erase that by using this underground railroad road narrative. Yeah, yeah. Because I had <clears throat> never heard, I think it was Desmond Cole, probably when I first heard about Affectville. I think he went there, he was covering it in, in a story. And I was, I was shocked. I was, I, yeah. I was like floored. And there's places like that all over Canada. There's like, there's Oro, which is the historic town, the, the historic black township of Oro, which is like an hour and some outside of Toronto. And it was the first, um, it's the first government commissioned um, black settlement Whoa. in Canada. It was the first ever one. And it was given to um, black loyalists who fought in the war of 1812, I think it was. And um, yeah, they were given this land uh, I think it's like right near Barrie or something like that. I've and, driven through Oro many times. Yeah. yeah. You'll see like the historic black settlement signs, but they didn't stay there for that long because the land was horrible. The land wasn't set up to be farmland. So they just like left it eventually. And I'm sure I can't really find a lot of information about that. I've been trying to find descendants from or the original Oro black township and yeah. ask them about like what their family went through because i'm sure they probably went through a lot of racism too but i can't find any records sure. on sure. the internet about it yeah but i'm like why were they given this land that was so bad i'm like i wonder why and it's almost you know you, you ask i wonder why and you probably you sort of know what the answer is yeah I'm historically like, right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah for sure because it, it, you know we've uh, we've done the same thing with uh, with the indigenous people. Yeah, 100%, yeah. In this country, sort of. Yeah, you go over there and... And, uh, and we're not going to provide you with electricity yeah. or running water or any type of resources, but... It's, uh, it's, it's nuts what... Uh, I'm like, we can afford it. We could afford to give so many people in this country $2,000 a month in for the last, like, six months. We couldn't have... Of paid for all these reservations to have proper living standards. Like, I agree with you. I agree. With you. See, we're not going to argue today. I don't yeah. Uh -huh. well, I think we're just arguing with the with society. other people. <laughs> society. We're just like, yeah. Yeah. Just like, yes, I agree. Tell me about getting into comedy. I'm always fascinated. Um, I love going to to comedy shows. I tend to do most of that in New York, but I'm trying to do more of it. Uh, in Toronto, but obviously yeah, come not to now. Toronto when they do. I feel like Canada, especially Toronto, has some of the best comedians in the world. And it's because the way that the industry is set up, we have to work so much harder to All get right. like, like not even like a quarter of the way as far as the Americans. So I just find like when I watch Canadians and then when I go to New York and Toronto, I want to go to New York and LA, I mean, the yeah. Torontonians usually like, yeah do the best it's always canadians in new yeah. york that, that yeah that 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 bring that that bring the house down yeah but tell me about your journey into comedy okay so i started i've been doing comedy since i was like 17 so i started right outside of high school i originally wanted to be an actor so i was going to go to okay. york university but then i discovered there was a 
a comedy program at Humber. And I looked it up. I saw that um, all these people from Video on Trial went there, like uh, oh, yeah. Deborah Di Giovanni and um, some other people. So I was like, oh, this seems really cool. I'm going to sign up for this. And then, yeah, I did that. It was two years. And then I've been, I did stand up on and off for, yeah, until then. But then now I took a break for three years in 2013. But then, yeah, I came back in 2016. So was it, was it, comedy that attracted you to that program or was was it you just wanted to get into like an acting sort of course no I, I always was funny like I, I told the story on another podcast but I guess I'll share I'll share it here but I've always been like I discovered that I was funny how I discovered I was funny was I had a very very high voice as a child okay and when I went to camp for the first time I was scared that all the other boys were going to make fun of me so I started speaking in accents so I started okay. speaking in a British accent and this kid was just like, yo, you sound like Hermione from Harry Potter. And then they would all get me to say inappropriate things in <laughs> Hermione's voice. And then I, everyone was just like, yo, this guy's so funny. We love this guy. And yeah. that's how I discovered I was funny. And That's weird though, yeah. eh? Sort of hiding yourself and then sort of finding a gift yeah. out of that. Deflecting. Yeah. Deflecting. That... Classic, classic deflection. Wow. Um, did you, were you, the, the thing about stand-up comedy and, and probably, yeah, stand-up comedy in and of itself, I can imagine someone being funny, mm-hmm. um, but going on stage, that's like a, di- like for you, was it different or was it same as it at, was back at camp? terrifying. I remember when we would have stand-up class and we, we would be given assignments. So one assignment would be, was, um. We had to pick subjects from a hat and we yeah. each had to write two minutes on it. So I had to write two minutes on water polo. I've never played water polo. Don't know anything <laughs> about water polo. So random. <laughs> Didn't even know it was a thing that existed. <laughs> and I had to do two minutes on it. And I just remember I did really well somehow, but I remember shaking and shaking and like yeah. not being able to even like hold my ginger ale because I was shaking so much. I used to shake so much, but over time I've like developed a tolerance for it. Like I'm not as like anxious before. Like before I used to have to, if I had a show, one, if I had a show, I would prepare the entire day for the show. But now I don't do that. I'm like five minutes before, I'm good. How do you get from on stage shaking with a ginger ale to saying, yeah, this is, I want to do this forever. Where, 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 I, I, I want this to be my career. I guess it's just like you really have to want it. You really have to want it. And yeah. I think I really wanted it. Was so there something that, about it that you that you were attracted to? I don't know. I just liked it. I felt like it was... I was talking to another comedian about this, but I was just like, it's like I can fully be myself and huh. not have to like tone myself down. And I feel like in so many... Oh. aspects of my life I'm never allowed to be fully myself because it's always seen as too much but when I do stand up I'm just like oh I can be I can be Brandon you can be yourself you're not even acting you're not putting on a no a thing yeah it's just like me it's fully me it's just like I'm being crazy like sometimes when I perform and I'm like fully like I'm really like into it and people are like that was amazing and I'll just be like I'm severely mentally ill that's why I'm this guy <laughs> I've always, I've always, I've always been curious about that and rock stars and comedians. Is there, uh-huh. is there something 
in their brain that is, is, is wired in such a way that being on stage sort of feeds them. Yeah, I think it's that a lot of them didn't get enough like attention or love in their childhood. And that's what they want from this audience. That's essentially what stand up is. It's just you just going on a stage and being like, please like me. <laughs> is that for you? Is that is that part of your thing? I guess so, yeah. Like yeah. you want strangers to fall in love with you, but then never see them again. Um, I was thinking about this the other day whether or not comedy will change when we get back to live shows and not just because of COVID-19, but will comedy change based on these conversations that we're having right now? about? Yeah, go ahead. I think it's going to change a lot. I think it's going to change because now people are really having to look critically into themselves and things that they've done like right now we saw second city which is one of the like big comedy institutions yeah is now having to go through this big change and finally address all of the problematic things that they've done and i feel like that's what's really going to start happening in comedy where they're going to be like oh why has there never like an example there's never been a successful there's never been like a, a like gay very famous gay male comedian. There's never been like a gay Eddie Murphy. There's never been like a gay male version of Ellen. Yeah. I'm like, that's something that might change when we come back. Because we're having these conversations right now. Yeah. What about the, the type of jokes that we tell? I think there's going to be less of the this like, I don't know, there's all this like weird dark humor and it's labeled yeah. dark humor, but it's just like racist a lot of the time. Hmm. And I feel like maybe that might finally be like fully pushed out. But I mean, there is still like this like weird audience for it. Yeah. I don't know if you know Ron Tite. You don't know. Or Ron heard of Ron Tite. He used to he used to be a he used to be a comedian. He runs uh, he runs an agency now. But I I remember asking him, um, and I love asking all the comedians this. We tend to, and I think J- Dave Chappelle recently said it. On, on his um, on his special that was just released, um, we tend to look to comedians for truth. Yeah. Um, especially over the past number of weeks and months. Why? Why is that? Why? Why? Why are we looking at people like you, Brandon, and other other comedians? I honestly do not. Know. <laughs> That's a question I never thought about. <laughs> is that like? Do what are your thoughts on it though? Is is that true? Is that something? I, I don't know whether like, you see it. I don't, I like see it. I don't really know why. Yeah. I think maybe because comedy has been like in weird political times, comedy has been the thing that like actively challenges things usually and actively calls things out usually. So I think maybe that's why, but I can't give you like an academic answer on why all of that is. I've never thought I, about it really. I, now I need you to think about it. We'll come <laughs> Um, another another Facebook post that you wrote. This might have been related to Second City. Oh, um, about Second City. I can't I remember if it was. My I notes, called out Second City. <laughs> my notes say something to the effect of hiring um, black Indigenous people of color is problematic. This is what I was saying. It's not yeah. hiring black and Indigenous people that is problematic. It's that historically when historic white organization historically white organizations hire 
BIPOC people. It's usually those who are in line with their weird agenda. So they know that they won't challenge them and have like weird politics about them. So they'll hire them because they know that they won't go against them. Yeah. That's what I've found a lot. I'm not saying that all of these, this, this is every single time, but there's people that I've met in organizations that have high powers that are, are, are people of color who won't like go against the grain because they, they don't want to lose their position. They want to be like the person of color, the go-to person of color. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because I... Well, that's I, what... Like, it just goes back to colonialism where the colonial powers would, would prefer one group over the other and then pit them against each other. And that's how so many conflicts have happened. Hmm. I want... I've been a fan of Lily Sings. Mm-hmm. And just recently... Before COVID, mm-hmm. um, but I recently started hearing these th- this chatter that um, her and I think Aquafina has been mentioned in terms of you know these here are people um, ethnic minorities that are appropriating uh, black black culture. Black culture yeah, mm-hmm. I, I want to so just for my learning, I, I want to understand. I want to understand that, I'm, and I'm, I'm not saying you are the, um, the the keeper of all this knowledge, but I'm wondering if you could help me unpack that. Okay, so I guess what it is about is there is a lot of anti-black racism in the Asian communities, like especially okay. in like the Desi communities. Um, I don't know what ethnicity Aquafina is, but. Because of that, there will be all of this this racism between them, but a lot of the times they will then like kind of like take our mannerisms and our and our culture and then use it as themselves and be like, oh, I'm like this. I'm also like this. Um, I can like I'm Trinidadian, right? So Trinidad's a little different, but from being like black and Indian, um, I've experienced like weird things from people that are from like mainland India. Um, so they don't consider me Indian because I'm Trinidadian. They're like, that's different. But the reason why a lot of the times they say that it's different is because of its proximity to blackness. So huh. it's like, oh, this has been corrupted. So you're not Indian, you're black. So I think that's kind of where that comes from, where it's like, yeah, you're like anti-black, but also not but also trying to be black, like yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Let's 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 uh, let's move <laughs> forward. Let's talk more about you. Um. I didn't realize Ash is a Jewish name. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about like the the Jewish Muslim sort of last name that you have. What's the story behind that? Okay. So my dad's last name is Jewish. Um, from what I don't understand, <laughs> from what I understand, something about he's descended from like Ashkenazi Jews or something, or his part of his family is, and that's how we got that name. Um, that's what my grandmother also told me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's, we just have the name, but I don't know. Cause even like, I remember I was on, I saw my, um, brother's neurologist and he was like, you guys have a very interesting last name. You, 
you know, like it's Jewish and Muslim. Like, do, do you guys know that? <laughs> um, with my Muhammad, so my grandfather was, um, he's from Trinidad, but his parents were from, or his grandparents were from India and they immigrated to Trinidad as like indentured servants. Okay. So they were like Muslim and he had the last name Muhammad. So that's how I got the last name. Ah, all right. That's the story. Um, you've opened for uh, Mo Amr. I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. Um, and I nice. love his. Yeah, I love his character on Rami. Mm -hmm. uh, but tell tell me about Mo Amr. What what kind of what kind of dude is he? He's really nice. He's very chill. He's very very well dressed. He <laughs> he loves. Um, I remember they were hanging out a lot with um, Cardinal Official. So I'm just like he knows. He likes hip hop, I guess. Is Mo Canadian? No, he's not Canadian. Okay, all right. Mm -hmm. Okay. But yeah, he's just a really nice guy. He's very chill. What do you? What are your thoughts on? And I'm not just. I, I, I'm asking you because there's a bunch of comedians on that show, uh, but what? Not not because you've got the Muslim last name. But what are your thoughts uh, on on the TV show Rami? I don't know if you've ever had a chance to watch that. I watched a couple episodes. Dave Mirhash is on it, and I, I yeah. love Dave. He's really nice. Um, I think it's really cool and I'm glad that this kind of story is being told because it's like a story that I've seen with so many of my, um, with, of my Muslim friends where it's just like, it's not just like a traditional story, a Muslim story. I feel like a lot of the times when Muslims are depicted in media, it's just like, oh, we're like, we're either terrorists or we're like, super super like devout and like this you're yeah. kind of seeing him manage these two worlds and like i really relate to it as somebody that has like muslim heritage and like i think it's cool I yeah think it's cool we get to see that tell me about your your show the ethnic rainbow when did that when did that begin that began in 2018 if you guys don't know what that is with what um the ethnic rainbow is the ethnic rainbow is canada's first and essentially only um, all queer people of color comedy show. So yeah, that's what that is. It, it was how it came to be is that for years, the only two queer comedians of color in Canada that me and my friend knew of were me and this other comedian, Martha Chavez. I don't know if you know her. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I've seen her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. So for years I wanted to do this show because I never put felt fully welcome or safe in um, POC wow. spaces. I never felt fully welcome in um, hmm. gay spaces because mostly in gay spaces, it was all just like white people. And then in, okay. in POC spaces, it was all just like straight people. So I was just like, I want to create something where somebody like me can speak to other people like me and like see themselves reflected because when I was coming up, I did not see myself reflected in comedy at all. So I was just like, let's try to do this. And then luckily there was a gay comedy boom in Toronto, like two or three years ago. And yeah. all these like amazing um, queer comedians of color popped up and I could finally do the show. That's how the show came to be. Yeah. And you were doing it monthly. Is that correct? I started doing it monthly this year. So I was about to oh. do my third, um, my third or fourth my third uh, monthly show, finally. But yeah. then it got canceled due to COVID. Sure. So what, what have you been doing uh, to both, you know, for, for yourself to, 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 I guess, to stay busy, 
to promote your album, to keep uh, the Ethnic Rainbow going? Like, what have you been doing uh, over the past three months? Well, I've taken a break from the Ethnic Rainbow because I've been working on my album and um, okay. producing that. And um, so what I've been doing right now is I've been doing a lot of promo for my album mainly. So like, this is my second interview today. Yesterday I had three interviews. So I've just been doing a lot of interviews. I've yeah. also been getting into like the internet stand-up scene. So people are doing okay. Zoom shows now. So I've been doing a lot of Zoom shows. I also did a, a, a comedy gala for, for a quarantine comedy gala for CBC Gem. And yep. that's going to appear um, June 26th at 8 p.m. On, on CBC Gem. So yeah, I've just been like really recently, like or maybe like this last month, I've been really getting back into things and just like, Find, adapting and finding the new world of what comedy is like now. It, it, it's, it's, it sounds obvious the difference between being in front of a live audience and, and, and getting that feedback yeah. um, and then doing it in front of like a screen. You're doing it in front of a screen and then you hear, see, hear black boxes and like muffled laughter. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. You're just like performing into like a weird abyss. So how do you know whether you're you're killing it or not? Like what's what do you what do you feed off of? Sometimes like when I have the laughter in my ear, that's what I'm feeding off of and I am. But like the other day I did a show and it was nothing. And the only thing I could see was like people commenting. So I was like, I guess that's how I was like killing and I was just like trying to play to that. But yeah. again, it's like a it's a new style of this art form is now emerging and we're figuring it out as we go along. That is awesome. Brandon, this has been fun. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for uh, having me. You're welcome. Before I let you go, oh, damn, there is a question I had for you. Yeah, ask me anything uh, you want. A uh, last one. Um, you recently, you were, your Twitter handle and Instagram was something different. Bear, Barack of, Obama. Yeah, but it's Barack not that Obama. anymore. It's what not happened? that. Now, now it's Bam Comedy One. Because I'm releasing a comedy album, uh, I, want it to be, I want it to be easy for people to find me because people have a hard time finding me online. So I was like, let's just make it easy because I'm trying to raise money for this. I need to make it as easy as possible. I, th I thought maybe you got a, a letter from Barack Obama saying, hey. I wish I did. I wish I did. <laughs> the amount of times people have sent me messages being like, oh my God, I tried to message you but i actually actually messaged obama <laughs> like they've just like slid into obama's dms so there you go yeah there there's a bit there for you i think you're probably working on that one oh, maybe you I, should. I never thought about it but i wish <laughs> but listen tell, tell everybody where they can uh where they can get your album so my album is going to be available on all platforms but uh, maybe you guys can share the link, but there's a yeah. link. It's going to be on my website, brandon.lol, and it will link directly to the album where you can buy it directly from the label. If you buy it directly from the label, 100% of the, of the money will go to the charities that I'm supporting. And these charities are supporting um, Black and Indigenous LGBTQ2S people of Canada. So if you buy it directly from the label at Howl and Roar, you will be supporting these people directly. So, yeah. Awesome. Brandon, right. I look forward to uh, one day seeing you live one day. Uh, at a show, but uh, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a fun time.